We are going to be focusing, uh, we're in a series on the life of Christ. And this morning we're just going to do a, a brief focus on the fact that the first coming of Christ was promised by God in the Old Testament scriptures. And I, I love to read the promises uh, of the uh, uh, fact that the Lord Jesus Christ would come as the Messiah, as the Savior uh, to meet great needs. And so the title of the message is The the Savior is Promised. And um, there's a lot of discussion in the Word of God and truth in the Word of God with regards to promising. The Lord even speaks to us with regard to our responsibilities uh, regarding promising. And uh, we'll just touch on this, but I I read this uh, yesterday. A man late for an important meeting was searching desperately for a parking spot in a crowded lot. Looking up to the sky, he talks to the Lord and he says, Lord, if you will find me a parking spot, I promise I will start going to church again. The words were hardly out of his mouth when he looked and there was a parking spot and he said, forget it, Lord, that I just said what I did. Not too good, huh? Not too good. And uh, it's possible for people to... (laughs) Go back on promises, but God never does. It's very awesome what the Word of God has to say about God and promises. In fact, there's a book written by James McDonald out of the Chicago area, and it's entitled Always True. I've never found a book that quite dealt with the subject of promises of God in such a thorough way as that book did. And uh, he begins by talking about the fact that God is a promiser by, by nature. He has made many promises in his word. And we're going to look at a few of the promises. Uh, and we're going to talk about their importance of uh, why God said Jesus Christ is coming. Those promises are very beautiful in the word of God. And the point is when God says, I promise, he delivers because he's who he is. He's an awesome, uh, unlimited God and Savior. And when we consider these promises of God, we realize that it encourages us to have continued uh, confidence and um, not only confidence, but faith in the things that God has said in his very precious and inspired word. God does want us to stand on his promises. How many times have we sang the hymn, Standing on the Promises? Many, many times, right? Uh, once in a while, Don will have a song up here or a hymn that we've sung, and I ask myself the question, wonder how many times I've sung that hymn. Standing on the promises. And the Lord does. He, and we're going we're gonna to end the message this morning by talking about the five most important promises that God has given to us, especially when go, we're going through times of difficulties. Uh, Romans 8.32 is a verse I mentioned if if you um, go to visit someone and you want to share a passage of scripture, Romans 8.32 is one of the best passages you can use. You're just going to visit someone and, and you want to share something from the word of God. So you go to Romans chapter 8 verse 32 which says, He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? So when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, with Christ 
We have all the exceeding great and precious promises that are listed in the Word of God and given to us. Now, not all the promises are specifically given to us, but there are multitudes of promises that have been given to us. Now, the first promise of the Messiah, or the coming of Christ, is in an interesting section of Scripture. In fact, it was given way back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mention a few of the promises, and I would like for you to tuck these in your mind and thinking, because when the promises are given, they're given to believers who are looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to die on the cross for our sins. And so God made it possible for not only his people Israel to know who the Messiah would be, But he made it possible for people today, as they get into the inspired word of God that is always um, uh, bringing forth fruit for his glory, uh, it makes it possible for us today to know who really is the Savior, who is the promised one of Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 reads this way, And the Lord is speaking, and he's speaking to Satan in particular. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is a tremendous promise. Sometimes you'll find a translation that says, uh, He shall strike your head that would be the seed of the woman referring to the Lord Jesus Christ will strike your head in other words uh, Satan's ability uh, to function in his evil is going to be broken that power is going to be broken by the Lord Jesus Christ when he dies on the cross but uh, also it says you Satan will bruise his heel and the bruising of the heel of Christ is a reference to the fact that yes Christ was abused as the God man and he was hung on the cross but uh, he, he did suffer and he did die but he rose again the third day and his power was in no way diminished and that's what the um, passage is talking about it's a very very beautiful uh, statement at the very beginning of creation uh, at the early years after creation rather uh, of the fact that God's going to take care of man's needs and he's going to do it through the seed of the woman of course that would be uh, Christ was born of Mary and uh, that would be a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ in fact also tied into this verse because it says you will strike his head the head of Satan is a reference to the fact that that Christ will have final victory over Satan and you've probably heard many times uh, Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 and it says and the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire so there is a time coming when evil will be shut down uh, on this earth uh, eventually when Satan is cast into the lake of fire. So the first promise of that, and uh, that's a promise. <laughs> that's a promise. <laughs> God was saying to Satan, going to make you a promise. You're going to get it. <laughs> You're going to be dealt with by the Messiah, the Son of God. When you, when you think of Scripture and you think of the Old Testament scriptures, <clears throat> you, you want to keep in mind always that the Lord Jesus Christ is the theme of the Bible. In fact, the entire Old Testament is actually one big messianic prophecy saying 
that the Savior is coming. God's Son is coming. And all through the years since the time of creation, God's people have been looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am going to read, and you might say, well, you know, is that really helpful to just read about some of the prophecies in the Old Testament? I think it is. <laughs> you know, I'm giving the message this morning, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> But, you know, I, I found that this is so interesting. Came through the mail on Friday. This list of the passages in the Old Testament, the prophecies about Jesus Christ. And there are hundreds of them. There are hundreds of them. And they're given in detail. I'm just going to read some of them. I won't keep you till 1 o'clock because you're going to get hungry. But anyway, uh, here's some of the promises. Listen to these now. This is really interesting. Uh, I'll give you basically the book and the chapter. So here we're going to have the promise of Christ coming and the fulfillment and the detail. Uh, and again, I'm going to mention this. The reason God did this is because he wanted his people to be looking for the deliverer, the one who would pay for man's sin, the one who would bring peace and joy and happiness into life. Not that there wouldn't be trials, but the one who would come to save his people from their sins. I'm going to just read a few of them. Here we go. Listen along. He would be born in Bethlehem. By the way, that's Micah 5, 2. And we may get a chance to look at it. We may not. Fulfilled in Matthew 2, 1. Born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14. Fulfilled, Matthew 1. A descendant of Abraham, Genesis 12. Fulfilled, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. He's from the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49. Fulfilled, Luke chapter 3. Of the royal house of David, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Fulfilled, Matthew chapter 1. Endangered by Herod killing the infants, infants rather. Jeremiah 31. Fulfilled, Matthew chapter 2. I'm just going to read them now. Taken to Egypt. Announced by John the Baptist, anointed by the Holy Spirit, a preacher of the gospel, the good news, a worker of miracles, cleansed the temple, ministered in Galilee, carried into Jerusalem as a king on the back of a donkey, presented as king, rejected by the religious leaders of his day, subjected to a humiliating death, Psalm 22, rejected by his associates, Sold for 30 pieces of silver. Silent before his accusers. Mocked. Spat upon. You know when I, when I read that. Both in the gospels. And even that it was prophesied. It really bothers me. That there would be people who are so depraved. And they're thinking they're going to spit upon the son of God. All these prophecies you see. Were for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was the promised one in the word of God. And, of course, the uh, next major prophecy was given to um, Abraham. And I do want to read just very briefly. Just want to read very briefly with you uh, Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at it. And we'll, we'll mention the one phrase that's very important. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will. Notice he keeps saying I will. He's making promises. This is an unconditional covenant, by the way, that God made with Abraham. 
I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Now here's your key phrase. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How would it be possible in Abraham, one man chosen by God back in that day, how would it be possible for him to be the source of blessing to all the families of the earth? Because through Abraham would come the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus Christ, God, the God-man is a source of blessing to all the families of the earth. And all those who have put their faith and trust in him receive forgiveness, total forgiveness of sin, and the gift of eternal life. And, of course, um, Abraham gave birth to Isaac. And uh, it wasn't Ishmael that was to be in the promised line. It was Isaac, uh, the son Isaac. And then uh, Isaac gave birth to Jacob, who was chosen uh, to be in the line through which Christ came and uh, the promised seed. And then Jacob, when he was about to die, talked about his children and how God would use his children and how he wanted his children blessed. And uh, Jacob said in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh come. So what Jacob is doing at the time of the uh, his death, he's saying that there's one of his sons through whom the line would go and come for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ in that reference is referred to as Shiloh, which means peace until Shiloh comes. Two more I just want to mention very quickly. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And you know, I'd like you to look at this one too. If you have your Bibles, you can flip around in them real quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 18. I, I would like you to look at this reference, and I'll tell you why I like this one so much. I like it so much because it's so clear that God is going to reach into the nation of Israel, and he's going to raise up, Moses said himself, another prophet, and this prophet is going to be a spokesman for God. And those who listen to this prophet, the prophet fulfilled, of course, was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was prophet, priest, and king. And those who do not listen to this prophet, the Lord's going to require it of them. And, of course, there's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. I love this reference. Another promise. Deuteronomy 18, beginning at verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from your midst, from your brethren, from the people of Israel. And him you shall hear, according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord. That's what they said to God, my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. They were afraid of what God was saying to them. But verse 17, the Lord said to me, to Moses, what they have spoken is good. And verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be whoever does not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. It's pretty clear, isn't it? 
that God's going to expect people to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. God expects people to listen to his word. And this is why the Gideons pass out the word of God. How many times before have we discussed the fact that the Bible is a very unique book? There's no other book like it. There's no other book that can be compared to it. It's not a religious book. It's a book that was written by people who were guided supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. So we have in this book the very words of God. And uh, the Lord said way back then, at the time of Moses, I'm going to raise up another prophet, the coming Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who do not listen to him, it will be required of them. And, of course, you and I know that this even goes into the area of salvation because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. And people who will not respond to that will spend forever separated from God. Very, very important promise. There are other promises in the Psalms. The last one I, I really want to mention is the promise with regards to uh, Christ's place of birth. And if you would, try to find it. Uh, Micah is a section of Scripture where your uh, pages kind of stick together a little bit. Go to Micah chapter 5, and I'd like to look at this with you, and we'll tie this together. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Look at the clarity of this verse. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, just a small community out of you shall come forth to me to the Lord the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting now if you look at the text real clearly you, you want to lift out the important idea in the text the text is someone's going to be born in Bethlehem and the one to be born in Bethlehem is from everlasting. He always existed. You see, this is the God-man, Christ Jesus. He was truly God, truly man. Why did he take upon himself flesh and blood? In order that he might go to the cross and die for our sins. We love the promises in the word of God with regards to the coming of Christ. And you know, there are many, many other promises in God's word. And I mentioned when we started the fact that uh, this book that was written called Always True by James McDonald gives five promises that we should always have in mind when life gets hard and difficult for us. And this morning we've already been praying for people who are going through trials and needs. I'm going to mention these five. See if you can kind of get them in your thinking and think about them through the day. Promise number one. God is always with us. That's usually the promise that people think of when you say, what are some of the promises of the Word of God? Almost always, the first one that's mentioned is, God is always with me. <clears throat> you help me with the verse. I know you know it. I'll start it and you finish it. And here we go. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil 
for you are with me. There it is right there. When we're driving home in the car, when we're eating our meal today, no matter where we are tonight, the Lord is with us. Promise number one, God is always with me. Promise number two, God is always in control. You look at our world today and you see the North Korean uh, situation and you see other situations in other countries, countries of Africa going through tremendous struggle and change in power and leadership. God is always in control. Promise number two. I guess that one of the key verses for that would be Ephesians 1.11 where it says, He works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now the beauty, the beauty of that verse is... He works all things according to the counsel of his will. So ultimately, Romans 8, 28 comes to our mind as believers, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. And I realize I'm with you. I'm with you. There's some things that have been difficult in your life. There's some things that are, that are hard. There's some things we cannot understand. There's some things that we think God's really not working things out. Uh, the children of Israel, uh, when they went to that place, that location where there was no water, and they remember they complained against Moses. And, and I, I looked at that passage yesterday, and they said uh, to Moses, they said, is God with us or not? Well, that was a good question, right? They couldn't find any water. Is he with us or not? And see, sometimes we may be in a situation where things are really tough and really difficult. Is God in this or isn't he? But you know how we have to answer it. He's always there. He's always with us. He's always in control. Ephesians 1.11. Third one quickly. God is always good. Oh, we did it a little earlier. Let's do it again. Here we go. God is good. All the time. Got a verse for it? Yeah, we do. We got a verse for it. Psalm 100 and verse 5. 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good, is steadfast love. And by the way, that's a good way to translate the word mercy. There's nothing wrong with the word mercy. But the Hebrew word can really be translated his steadfast or his loyal love. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Quickly, promise number four. God, uh, uh, I'm sorry. God is always watching. He's always watching. He's watching over us all the time. I mean, he really is. Um, and people who go and these guys that go and rob banks, they don't think God's watching. Maybe they, it crosses their mind, but they don't care, right? They don't care. God is always watching. 1 Peter 3.12, there's a lot of verses on this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And prayer, uh, promise number five, God is always victorious. And there's a lot of references you could use to this. God will always bring and fulfill his will and his promises. But God is always victorious. In other words, God is never defeated. <laughs> He's just not. And the amazing thing is he takes that truth and he places it over into our zone of living. 
In fact, he says, and I love this verse. I know I love all the word of God, but I love this verse. It's Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Listen, that's very important. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. I still remember Dr. Pentecost at Dallas Seminary. He used to say, you know, when you were saved, you were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of God's dear son. Colossians chapter 1. You belong to the Lord. And the Lord is watching over you. And he's protecting you. And no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper because you're under his authority. And here's what Dr. Pentecost used to say. Now that you're a Christian, Satan has no authority over your life. It doesn't mean he can't tempt. It doesn't mean he can't use demonic forces to try to disrupt our lives. But Satan has no authority over your life. You're a child of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. And we say hallelujah for that. Two things to remember in relationship to those beautiful five promises of God. The last one was God is always victorious. Isaiah 54, 17, he brings that victory into our lives. There's many New Testament verses as well. God's promises are experienced through the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. In other words, because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, God, through his grace, is going to allow you to continue to experience his promises and his blessings until he calls you home. And that's the great promise uh, of the word of God. And lastly, God's promises are experienced through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, please don't miss this one. It's very important. God's promises are activated by faith. In other words, when I say, Lord, I've read your word. And I believe what it says. I really believe what it says. And I will trust you in the midst of circumstances that I cannot fully explain. Circumstances that I don't even like. But I believe the promises of your word are true. That's faith. And please keep the opposite of this in mind. In Matthew 13, 58, it says, Jesus could not do much in the city of Nazareth because of their unbelief. Please let that register in your thinking. He couldn't do many mighty miracles. He couldn't do a lot of things in the town of Nazareth because there was tremendous unbelief in that community. And the Lord knows that he encourages us, in fact, to trust him with our needs and our concern. Faith, another word for faith is trust. We need to trust the Lord for all of our needs and our concerns. We read in our scripture reading this morning, God has given to us many exceeding great and precious promises. And when God promises, you and I know he comes through. Let's pray together.